Boom. <laughs> there we go, folks. Hello. How are you doing out there tonight in Facebook world? Welcome to another episode of Billy Watson TV. We've got a great guest with us tonight. It's basically, he's in quite far away from me, so he's in a different time zone. I believe he's just woke up. We've literally just connected a minute before coming on here. So this is all new. We're going to get to know each other in front of you. Welcome to the show, please, Tom Barnett. How are you doing, Tom? Good, Billy. Thanks for having me. That's cool. Have you been up long? Yeah, yeah, a couple of hours. All right. Do you normally do you normally, early here? Is, I thought it was about eight o'clock. That's quite early for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's early for some people. <laughs> yeah. Are you a health guru and stuff? Are you basically one of these people rise in the morning, do your meditation, sleep early and get a good solid eight hours sleep and that kind of thing? That's the plan usually, yeah. It doesn't always go that way, but that's usually the plan. <laughs> yeah. So basically, yeah. to the audience out there, just like you, if you wouldn't mind, basically, Stacey Wilkinson, is, we've got a mutual friend, she said that she could hook us up, so I've seen a few of your videos on YouTube and whatnot, and I'm mm -hmm. impressed with what, what you've got to say, quite like uh, was on your YouTube channel today, watching quite a variety of topics you talk about. Uh, but you'd just like to give us some background to yourself and... Uh, you know, your family upbringing and whatnot, that kind of thing, before you got into educational stuff? Yeah, sure. So, uh, I mean, I guess I had a pretty normal upbringing. Uh, grew up, well, I was born in England, actually, and then moved to Australia when I was eight months old, went through uh, public schooling and ended up being, you're doing quite well with academics. So I moved, got moved to uh, private schooling. And then uh, it was around the age of about, I loved school until I was about maybe 12, I started figuring things out a bit more and started really infuriate me. And then, uh, yeah, so by the, by the time I'd left high school, I was really not a fan of the educational system at all. Could you go and, into that uh, a bit more? Could you go into that? I'm quite interested in that. So you were quite in primary school. It was more fun and things like that. And then you got to yep. a stage you kind of outsmarted school and they were telling you bullshit and you knew it was bullshit. Was it something like that? Yeah. Yeah, basically. Yeah, because around uh, even in like I remember grade six, especially grade five and six. I loved school. I really remember loving it because I remember having good engagement with the teacher. Um, at that stage, in that stage of primary school, you have the same teacher all day. And then when you move to high school, you have a teacher for every subject. You move yeah. around the different classes and stuff. Yeah. So at that stage, I was really enjoying it, partly, I guess, because I, I did really well at it and I got a lot of validation and things from uh, you know, doing well in academics and being a good student and all that kind of thing. And, um, but I didn't realize that really what I was doing was being conditioned or groomed to, to be like a good worker or a good fo order follower, that kind yeah. of thing. But, you know, to be fair to the teachers, uh, this is back, that was around 90, what would that have been? Uh, like 91, 92, um, that kind of year. And so, although, what I said still stands, you know, they did have, and looking back on it, you can tell they had a genuine interest in the kids, uh, you know, having a good education and looking after them. They didn't have like a very, oh, whatever kind of attitude towards the kids. So it, to be fair, they were good in that regard. And then, um, you know, going into high school and then, you know, as you start to go through puberty and stuff and you, you start to get a bit more in touch with things that maybe aren't going right. Like, why am I angry or why am I this or why am I that? And then as I started to question things more because of that and getting into different kinds of music and, you know, the Matrix movie came out and all those sorts of things, it's like you start to question things a bit more. And, and it was more, though, that I was getting into my rebellious stage. Yeah. And part of the rebellion is questioning, right? And so I was, because I was quite intelligent as a, as a kid, I was asking questions thinking, well, you know, what you're saying isn't quite right. What if there's a different answer? And then finding out that that's not met with much um that's not met with much approval <laughs> yeah so then there's no discussion yeah, so there's no stuff. discussion or debate about it you know there's no intelligent conversation yeah. about it it's just this is the mm -hmm. answer it's from the textbook so shut up and write it down and you'll get a point <laughs> yeah exactly yeah and and also because i was figuring out then that uh the tests weren't very useful because if you didn't do a mathematical equation, for example, you could write the right answer because you knew what the answer was. But if you didn't use their working out or you had a different way of working it out, you were wrong. And I'm thinking, but that's not, I thought you were encouraging people to either be good at something or to figure out ways to solve a problem, not just do it the way you say it has to be done. And so that was raising questions. So by about age 15, I think I'd figured out the fact that the school, being a private school, was mostly using the kids as advertisements to get future business more than they cared about the kids in the present moment. 
And uh, it was all about, you know, it was all about how the school looked to from how you did at school to how you presented the school outside of school and all that kind of stuff. And it was, uh, it just didn't seem right. And then the more I went into that, the more I, by the time I'd left high school, I just couldn't wait to get out of there. It's interesting you say that. It just made me think of something. I was, I've taught in about eight or nine different uh, schools in Turkey, trying to teach English as a native speaker. And mm-hmm. one of them was a, a private school. And just the power that the students had was unbelievable. It was one thing, it was actually around about now, it was Easter. And I was just pointing out the equinox and, you know, the, the different things with the sun rising and all this kind of thing. And the son of God is Jesus and all this kind of things. Just, and there were four kids at the front who were really interested. And so it was obviously just talking to them. That's four more than usual, you know. But the rest were up the back. And then one guy came to the front of the class and raised Allah on the board. I was like, okay. Next day, the teacher comes to me. He's like, we've had a complaint from one of the parents that you're trying to convert our children to Christianity. <laughs> I never got that contract renewed. <laughs> yeah, <right>. <laughs> <laughs> that shows the power that the the you know the image has and this kind of thing. You know, you don't. You know, yeah. I was trying with the best intentions to educate and to engage. You know, but that mm-hmm. wasn't uh, the thing to do there. So teachers are kind of trapped yeah. in that paradigm of just having to repeat the system just to keep a job and then they lose the passion for teaching and then mm-hmm. it just becomes very stale. So, yeah. Yeah, I do see that. And I appreciate that too from a teacher's point of view that there's only so much you can do. It's almost like you want to build a house and you you can you already know what materials and tools to use, but they say, no, no, you can only use this kind of, you know, cladding and you can only use this kind of tool. And it's like, oh, well, I don't know. I can still put a house up, but <laughs> yeah. it's not tools I'd like to use, you know. Yeah, and probably a bit. Bigger or better, stronger house, you know, with better foundations and stuff. Exactly. But not all of teachers are not have enough knowledge to be able to teach, you know, because they're just parroting the system as well. So there's not yeah. enough like real wisdom out there to be real teachers, you know. That's right. Yeah, that's that's actually the main problem with the educa- educational system in general is that it's a qualification and insurance system when you break it down. So if you go and get qualified as a teacher, what you're doing is you're getting a, a certificate that says you can teach. And because of that certificate, you can be insured. And that's the main reason for it. It's not actually the education you're getting. And that's the problem because then people who are well-meaning who say, who think, and this is the key, this is why I went to college, was that leaving high school, I knew it was bullshit, but I also didn't know what the actual answer was. So I was like, oh, what do I do? Uh, I'll go to college. You know, yeah. that's kind of where a lot of people are. And they decide early on, hey, I'd like to be a teacher but they haven't really gone out into the world yet and developed themselves and developed an idea of what education is. So then they go, well, that'll give me security. That'll give me a job. So they go through their three or four years of qualification. By the time they leave, they do some placement, but all they've done is been indoctrinated into what they're supposed to do from now on, as opposed to, you know, being a free member of society, then naturally gravitating towards something that they're good at and that they resonate with and they have a natural kind of teaching ability kids like them, they have something of value to teach. So what they do is instead of having that, they go, they basically just arm themselves with a certificate and then their insurance and that gives them the false sense of security or the false idea that they're really competent. And then uh, they can't question, they can't really question it because then they're questioning their livelihood and security, which most people don't do. The ones that do that generally move on to something else. Yeah. There's a teacher, um, John Taylor Gatto, have you ever heard of him? He was no. in New York. He won the best teacher of the year twice. And he basically said to the children at the start of the year, you know, if, I, if I'm teaching you something, you can't see the value in it. And if I can't give you an answer back that shows you the value of why you should learn that, then we'll move on to another topic. Yeah, and, right. Awesome. <laughs> uh, so he's got a book called The Secret History of American, ed- Underground History of American Education. It's a classic, you know. So anyway. Okay. Um, yeah, so you were kind of rebellious at 15 and stuff. What did that kind of trouble did you get into there when you were at school? and not fit into the system oh quite a bit uh i mean outside of school you know i i, I burnt down half of a forest got in trouble cool, that. Cool. And, uh, <laughs> what did, was that how did, did you come of, up with that one just get some matches one day or yeah what? well no we, i mean at that stage even before that since i was little I, was, I really enjoyed fire i was a bit of a pyromaniac and i uh and then you know once you get into hanging out with your friends who have older brothers then they teach you how to make bombs out of uh various things and then, yeah, we're out fishing at a, a in a little forest by a lake, and I just decided I was going to tape a bomb to a tree and and uh, light that on fire, and so that exploded, and it was all pine needles, and so that went up, and then couldn't put it out, and then the fire brigade had to come, and uh, wow. lots of little things <laughs> like that, yeah, lots of starting fires, and um, 
and blowing <laughs> things up and yeah, so pretty wild, really, pretty mad. Yeah, yeah, got but, yeah. Of a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, not not that that's out of the ordinary for a lot of uh, young boys, but uh, but yeah, then uh, in school it was more just you know not really. Um, I was never a bad bad like uh, rebellious, but it was just the thing of like testing teachers that didn't like to be tested and things like that. That was that was more what it was, and then just you know flat outright refusing to do certain things that I just knew there was no point in doing. Uh, I guess to not to my credit, even that, that I knew something was wrong, I didn't have the emotional faculties, like the maturity to go about uh, doing it a better way than I did. So instead of, you know, questioning things maybe a bit more uh, intelligently or with maturity, I just did it in a real, you know, rebellious way, which, you know, looking back wasn't the best way to do it. But at the same time, I didn't have those faculties at that age with that much anger and, and no real uh, role models and guidance as to how to conduct yourself when you know something's wrong and how to, um, you know, how to bring that up in a better way. Yeah. Look, a lot of young kids these days get diagnosed with ADHD, whatever it is, because their yeah. can't sit still in the classroom. And they're probably the most intelligent ones because mm -hmm. they can't sit still there and just become this robot, you know. And uh, yeah. so they get put in drugs so they can sit there and, Take the take the shit. So yeah. basically, the whole, the whole system's fake, and you've seen the fakeness of it, and you just mm -hmm. uh, internally you knew because they don't like critical thinkers or independent free thought at all mm. in the system That's generally. Right. So you kind of right. did you get expelled or anything? Or you you made you made it through all right? No, no, I made it through. No, I got I got called in. My parents got called in a couple of times based on uh, some things that I'd done, but it was uh, I never got expelled. I mean, private schools are a bit different too than public right. schools, so there's <laughs> there's a lot more of a uh, you know a working with somebody before there's an outright oh well you're just suspended or you're because I never like did drugs at school or uh, you know burnt anything down at school. That, that was a different thing. It was more like I was poking. I, I did a lot of poking. For example. You know, if we had an essay or if we had an exam and part of it was creative writing, well, I would take the stance and say, well, you haven't said what I can and can't write about. You just want me to write about this. Seems kind of dumb. So I'm going to do it my way. And my way was being very creative, but the subject matter probably wasn't to their approval. And then one of the older ladies who was a, you know, remember she was apparently I'd cause her to like break down in tears with the uh, stuff that I was <laughs> writing about. And then the guy who took me to his office, he actually said, he wasn't angry with me because he goes, I see what you've done. He said, your writing was actually really creative. And he said, but probably just don't do that when you know old women are going to be reading your essay. <laughs> and so I was, and, and that was it. So I didn't get in trouble, but it was like, that was where I was causing trouble was by them not really saying what you can and can't do and me being creative with how I could show the inadequacies of their, uh, their system essentially. That's awesome. Okay. I, love, I love that. <laughs> yeah, it's like now when I tell, well, it's like with masks when I tell people now and they're saying, oh, I can't, I don't have the balls to not wear a mask, but I hate wearing a mask. So I say, well, be creative. You know, they're not telling you what kind of mask you can and can't wear. So wear one with a cock and balls hanging off it. You know, like wear yeah. something that shows your uh, opposition and to highlight the absurdity of what you're doing, but you're still doing it. So they can't say that you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. You didn't say what kind of mask I could or couldn't wear. So don't complain when I'm wearing like whatever, or if it's got something written across it that highlights the the falsity of what's going on. No one's saying you can't do that. So you've got to have some creativity within or poetic license, however you want to call that. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard of Mike Williams. He's known as the Sage of Queer. He he done a YouTube video once and he was talking about if he he actually bought one from eBay, a big old World World War One gas mask thing, and he says if mm. he gets forced to wear one, you know, a mask in the supermarket, <laughs> he's going to walk around with that, you know, <laughs> say, well, that blue mask isn't effective. This is there's a deadly virus yeah. going around, you know. Perfect. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, that's a classic. That's what I would do as well, you know, just to show it up for what it is, because it is a complete first. Yeah. Just on that That's subject, right. you've obviously, I would like to go through what happened in college and stuff, but you've mentioned it. So a lot of people became aware of you speaking out in the virus against the, the shit show early doors. Mm -hmm. And um, did you have a YouTube channel and stuff before that? Or did you get known because of this? Because obviously you must have exploded on your subscribers and things like that. Yeah. Since then. So how's, I had how's, a YouTube how's, channel. How's but... that be, sorry. Well, I had a I had a YouTube channel, but no one ever looked at it. I didn't really put anything of that nature on there anyway. It was more just some of my test videos that I was doing for film, 
and uh, just, uh, yeah, I mean, see, I used to talk about this sort of stuff years ago, and then I just got sick of the fact that nobody ever listened. You know, I used to book, I, I would book talks to do, like people want me to talk all over the place now. Nothing's changed except for the popularity of that video, but I used to like turn up to my own talks and no one would be there. <laughs> like literally have no one turn up. And after all, <laughs> I was just like, like, why am I even... Why am I even bothering? Like, no one's listening. No one seems to care about how to look after your body or the mind or, you know, how microbes work or anything like that. So I was like, I, that's when I just changed. I just changed to do film and photography. It was more creative. Uh, I could, I could do, you know, I could just be more creative, not have to put up with people being, uh, one of my most loathed statements, which I actually put in, I put it at the end of that first video. One of my most loathed statements is somebody that says, oh, I don't agree with that. And I'm like, that's just the dumbest thing. Like, you don't agree with what or why? Like, give exactly, me some yeah. form of evidence to the contrary. Just, I don't care what you believe. That's like, your opinion doesn't matter. It's well, like, it they, really doesn't. That's what, okay. It's just like, well, that's your opinion. That's another one to say, well, that's your opinion. Well, actually, no, it's no. Yeah, no, it's not. <laughs> it's actually, you know, backed up with hardcore evidence. I actually spoke yeah, to exactly. the, the head of my factory about the fact there's no such thing as a contagious virus. And I said I had a folder full of evidence. I also told them about some things about common law and Agenda 21. And at the end mm -hmm. of it, it says, well, some people believe that the Holocaust never happened and man never went to the moon. Mm -hmm. So therefore, you're obviously a nutter, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, yeah. oh, I tried. <laughs> Do you want to see yeah, my book? Exactly. Do you want to see my 800-page book in it? Do you want to see my evidence? The folder full of evidence? <laughs> yeah. I'll give you, I'll sit down, I'll give you two websites. He was like, oh, I'll find them myself. What, in the billions yeah. of websites on the internet? <laughs> so it's crazy. Yeah, so well, I mean, that's what that's what I, um, you know, so that's what I've been up against for a long time. And it's not that like I had no time for it; it's just that the effort to what it was supposed to be giving people was just not worth it. So I just just threw it all in. And then when I put that video out, I put it on my Facebook and my YouTube because I had seen some videos getting around, and they were embedded in uh, the message messaging system, so WhatsApp and Messenger, Facebook Messenger. They were in the messages. And I was like, how do you put a video in a message? And I couldn't figure it out. Because I don't, you know, I don't I don't I don't use like, you know, you were trying to contact me. I don't actually look at my stuff until I'm I don't like <laughs> I'm not on a phone all the time. And so uh yeah, it was um I didn't know how to do that. So I thought, well, I'll just have to post the video and then put the link in Messenger. And then it's just, you know, go like, to the link. Share that, like, can't so anyway, that's the long story. <laughs> so then what happened was uh, I put that through and uh, it was just put it online on Facebook and YouTube. And I had, I think, zero subscribers on YouTube and uh, okay. like 130 friends on Facebook. Right. And uh, anytime I've ever put anything on Facebook or YouTube, it gets like two likes or no views. That's my typical thing. And then, yeah, so within 24 hours after I'd woken up the next day, it was uh, I'd gone to like, my friends was full and my YouTube subscribers have gone up to like 15 or 16,000 overnight. Wow. That's crazy. That's insane. <laughs> so is that obviously spurred your life on a bit to be able to do other things to be able to kind of, for one, for a better word, to monetize it so that you can, were you in a safe position before? How were you supporting yourself? Um, you know, whenever I kind of go that far in the story, what take it back? Uh, yeah. No, yeah, it's a good question. No one asked that. So, no, I was doing film and photography. I was doing fine out of that, just standard, um, just standard kind of income. Not not great, but just comfortable. So, what and, were you doing? Uh, were you making independent films for other people, or? Like yeah, well, I was mostly helping to make, uh, yeah, other people's stuff, doing editing, uh, filmmaking for other, like doing, providing footage and uh, editing and uh, consulting for that sort of thing, doing some commercial stuff like. Uh, you know, somebody wants their, their like Instagram short made or some photography done. That's what I was doing, just basic stuff like that. And uh, it's funny though, because a lot of people think I must have done well since making that, but I'm doing a lot worse because uh, the uh, the subscribers don't mean anything. And also all of the people that saw the video, which was eventually tens of millions from what I can understand, because it's gone around that many times uh, on different platforms and re-uploaded and re-uploaded again. Yeah. Uh, I got, yeah, I'm on like 26,000, I think, subscribers on YouTube and like same amount of followers on Facebook. But compared to the amount of people that saw the video, that's like nothing. Yeah. And also none of it's monetized. Like I don't, I never monetized Facebook or, or YouTube. So nothing, I don't get anything back from it. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, so I'm still making my 
general income from doing bits of film work and doing a few consults here. I do some private consults for people for health consults. And so I do a bit of that. But as far as making money, I've got way less than I had before. Because <laughs> right. of basically the business is shut down everywhere. There's no one making any films for us. There's no businesses to promote. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And there's just been so much time allocated to doing this sort of stuff, like doing um, you know, interviews and live streams and um, uh, Q&As and uh, you know, making all the content. Like You don't get paid for any of that. And then there's all the community stuff that, is going on like all the five stop 5g movement and all that like you just got to put a lot of time into that you don't get anything back for it except for the fact that it's important stuff because what you get back is saving your community so you know you get back so to speak but um but yeah you don't get monetary reward for it yeah it's basically not really the time to be thinking about how much you can make it's about time to like how we're going to survive this shit. <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people that have done really well since since all the nonsense started, and then right. you know, it is unfortunate. Other people have lost businesses, and there's been a lot of suicides and things like that because of the uh, downturn in people's livelihood. And yeah, so it's not not a good situation worldwide. But some people have definitely uh, done well since this all started. Yeah, mask uh, producers and things like that. But there's also people on the queue thing. They were doing the old hopium. You know, they're selling people lots of bullshit. And they get lots mm-hmm. of naive people following them and then they get lots of donations. And I think there's a yeah. few that, a few of them out there are kind of shilling it up basically and it's pretty mad to watch. Yeah, it's happened a lot. And people generally jump off a bandwagon then. Somebody goes, um, I've seen it with a few guys that did some videos or had a video that kind of went really well. And then straight away they've got this um, new website, which is a subscription website straight away. And then people are kind of going, oh, I don't know. But there's a lot of people that because... And I've said this, this isn't new, by the way, Bill, you know, this whole thing, that's not new because I've seen it for a long time and I've commented on it for a long time where people manage to give themselves some air of either being a deity or a guru or um, somebody who's got a lot of false confidence or whatever it is. They appear to have an answer or they appear to be confident. And the problem is that so many people are lost and vulnerable that they just, that's what it is. And those people are literally just preying on the lost and vulnerable. That's it. And yep. uh, the money that they make, yeah, some of them make a ton of it too. Like people right. become millionaires doing that sort of stuff. Most of the motivational gurus and all that for the last few decades, that's what they do. And um, the people that get into like the fake shamanism, selling people uh, tickets to Peru to go and do you know drugs and stuff. It's like it's it's not that there's no value in it, but they charge a hell of a lot of money and they're just presenting themselves as something they're not. Which yeah. to somebody that doesn't need it, they're like, why are you doing that? That's a bit silly. You know, there's actually karmic consequences to, to doing that. But for the majority of people who are lost and are vulnerable, that's some kind of answer. So they're like, take my money. That yeah. will hopefully buy me some of that um, confidence that you seem to have. Yeah, basically. So it's nothing new. Yeah, nothing new. It's just continued with COVID and, and new gurus popping up. And yeah. yeah. Everything that's out there is basically an offer, you know, and basically when you watch that and then you're kind of doing a contract with it by letting it into your consciousness and the more you engage in it then you start to think covid is real and you've got to take this shot in your arm and now you're protected from it but i know there's another strain yeah. coming and oh no you have to take another one and it's a whole mm-hmm. fucking you know what do you think of the state of world and people's you know just where they are these days after a year of this and you know your vi- vi- video been seen millions of times Still, these people are wearing masks. Do they actually think there's a virus going around, most of them, or is it just about yeah. you know, obedience? It's both, for sure. Because the thing is that, uh, yeah, a lot of people do still think that there's a virus, absolutely. And I know people like that. They really still think that there is one. Uh, they, their Obedience is another thing, though, because there's a lot of people who are just kind of like, I don't think we should be wearing masks, but they just go, oh, I don't want to rock the boat, or I don't yeah. want to have to talk to a police officer, or I don't want somebody... Most people just want to like float through and just, I don't want any trouble. I don't want anyone to ask me what I'm doing. I don't want, that's, that's their thing. And so they would much rather comply than, you know, be, walk their own truth. That's what most people are are like. So, you know, I don't know what the percentage is, but everybody knows the percentage of wolves to sheeps, that kind of thing. It's a similar, similar aspect. Yeah. Basically go along to get along. And uh, yeah, keep it oh, yeah. down. the tallest nail gets hit, the old Japanese one. That's right. Uh, so yeah, it's pretty sad to see. It's just like when you're walking in the supermarket, we don't really want to be in there in the first place. But, you know, um, yeah. <laughs> it's just the zombies. It's, it's surreal to me every time I'm in there. 
If you where do you live? Do you live, you live in city, the town centre, Sydney? No, no, I live in Byron. Well, I live near to Byron Bay, so it's it's a right. very alternative kind of community. There right. is there are two shopping centres, like as in um, supermarkets. Right. Most people that are in our kind of community, though, we never go to supermarkets. We go to farmers markets and um, the organic fruit and veg stores and things like that. So, uh, yeah, not a lot of the zombies, but uh, <laughs> as soon as you go a little way out, even half an hour west and things, you start to go to – yeah, and when you say zombies, it literally is. Like I've gone around a few times just going like, what what's going on? Like what are these people? They're so <laughs> vacant in their eyes and very just not, not just unhealthy looking but no vitality. Yeah, it is just – it's just ridiculous. You just wouldn't imagine this back in the day. I'm a bit older than you, but just men – you would have hoped when they've had a bit more gumption about them. You know, there's a bit of fight with the unions mm. back in the day, but all that's been just eradicated and, you know, men have been effeminized and there's no real independent. They don't know themselves, so they don't know what to fight for. There's no integrity or it's just mm-hmm. we are peasants. We do what we're told and that's it. So, yep. Brings a tear <laughs> to a glass eye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, where did you study in college then? What happened um, after you left school and you decided to get a grip of yourself a wee bit? Or you just did you just get better on at college, or things did things pick up there? No, no, because um, when I, still, I okay, so still in the I system. No, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I had no intention of going into anything. Like people said, oh, why don't you go and be a lawyer? Why don't you be a doctor? Those sorts of things. But oh, yeah, that's sorry, I didn't finish that part of high school. By the time I was, I like topped my class and things like when I was younger. And then the older I got, the more I started to learn the schooling system, the more I was just like, I've got to play this system. So instead of getting A's, which I more or less could have got, I made sure I got C's across the board so right. that I could still pass and go to college if I wanted, but I was bringing the school's average down. I was just like, fuck this school. It's, this, this school is using my grades to get future business. That's what they're doing. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not your pawn. I'm not, I'm not a whore. Here at your school, I'm, uh, you know, so, so that's, that's what I did. So, so then I, I couldn't go into medicine or law, uh, although I had figured out that you could do that because all you needed to do was get into college, get into any subject at all. Then once you're into the the, the school, then you can get an internal transfer to go up to something else. So instead of having to get, I don't know how it works in your country, but we have in ours what's called an OP or an overall position. And if you're down like 20-something, it means you've got like no brains. And if you get an OP of one, you're like top. You can get into anything you want. So generally to get into medicine, you need an OP of one or two. To get into physiotherapy, you'd need an OP of three to five or something like that. You know, it's like graded that way. But what you can do is you can get into uh, – like I went into exercise science. And you can get into exercise science with a lower overall position score, do even just one subject or usually like a semester or a year – and then you can ch- use what you've done to transfer with credits into the higher course, physiotherapy, or get into that. Then you go into medicine. Well, yeah. It's just like yeah. it's so silly. That, so I figured that out as well. Right. So because I didn't really know what I wanted to do, I just went into exercise because I love sport. I was decent at sport and I was good at science. So I was like sports science. That made sense. Yep. <laughs> and then as soon as I got into it, I'm like, what is this course? This is a repeat <laughs> of high school. Like I literally right. just did this. So then I didn't go to school. I just went surfing and I turned up to do the tests and I just could do the test because I already knew the stuff. And then I was just kind of like, why are we doing this? Because one of the subjects is communication skills. Then the next subject is like, you know, like all bullshit, applied statistics. And I'm like, you're just sticking together irrelevant units to make up like a certificate. It's just like, this isn't this. How is somebody qualified or competent with a degree when all you've done is tacked together non-related and irrelevant units it's like it doesn't make you educated or it doesn't make you know your subject matter and for example you know like doing biomechanics the questions had nothing to do with how the body functioned in a real world environment it was like if somebody kicks a football at 60 miles an hour in a vacuum in space i'm like why would you be kicking a football in space it's like you know like calculate the angle of the knee i'm like yeah but what functional carryover does that help how does that help you understand how a knee works or rehabilitate a knee or understand how a knee problem might be caused by, you know, a a problem in the cervical spine or a hip impingement or something like it's the dumbest stuff. But people are like, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, we're learning this good stuff. And I'm like, that's not good stuff. It's just like, it's shit. You're just eating shit. Like how are you supposed to come up 
and be competent. And this is the thing, you know, when you see not putting down everybody in every industry because good people, no matter what they do, are going to be good practitioners. But when you get people who don't know that what they're learning is like crap and then they use that as their, hey, I'm qualified now, come to my clinic and I'll fix your knee, they might not have any tools whatsoever to actually fix a knee. And I've seen that time and again where there's osteopaths and people that are a bit more proficient. Their clinics are full of the people who have screwed up people's, uh, you know, rehab and stuff in physiotherapy and personal training and things like that where they're not actually taught how to do this properly. But they don't really find that out because the insurance covers it. They buggered up a patient. They don't really know because the patient just claimed it through the insurance and went to somebody else. And they think they're doing well. They're just screwing up people left, right and center. And it's like, and that's the same in the dietetics and nutrition and everything basically in the health and fitness related industries, unless somebody is already proficient, has a really innate uh, passion for the for the subject matter and does their own study or has learned from other proficient people. Because obviously there's great people out there. What, what I'm saying is it doesn't come from their formal qualification. It comes from their passion for their uh, for their subject matter and external learning and um, and probably an innate proficiency. It does not come from the uh, qualification system. I think Bob Marley says, I don't, I don't have education, I have inspiration. If I had education, I'd be a damn fool. Yeah. <laughs> so, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, basically, yeah, that's just shows you the fakeness of the system. Like, you know, you want to be a musician, you know, I'll go and study music at university and you learn all this, all this other shit. It's nothing to do with playing an instrument, you know? Yeah. And that's the education in general. It's not about practical things. Children should be learning, like, there's a mechanic at a young age, there's a car, lots of rebellious children would be into that, you know? And yeah, absolutely. Because they're seeing a the result of the learning and the, through the practice that they're, they're actually learning and getting better. So the education mm-hmm. system knocks the fun out of learning. So when they come home, they associate learning with that boring place and I don't want to do that. I'll just play yeah. my Xbox or whatever. It's actually my son now. Um, since the lockdown started, I never sent him back to school for wearing masks and stuff. Anyways, moved back to Turkey, but even before he left there, his mother's there. But basically, he started, he got bored of sitting on his phone for a month and started doing beats and stuff on his computer. And he was, he was, he was doing music in the school, but not getting anywhere, you know, not inspired, didn't like the teacher. But now he's doing these really great beats and stuff. And his, he even says, you know, like, he sent a SpongeBob meme where it's like learning in school, and everyone's like that, then learning and uh, inspiration, like it's like psychedelic world, you know? <laughs> Because uh, yeah. the, joy, the joy gets kicked out of learning, you know? Yeah, that's right. And that that's the thing is most people want to learn. Like we, as humans, we actually love to learn. Give us yeah. something that we actually are interested in and we can see the value in. Like you said before with that guy in New York, you said if you can't see the value in this, like bring it up. And if I can't show it to you, yeah. we'll move on. Like that's the thing. And, uh, you know, with kids, like you said, they want to learn. And if you look at what happened before our educational system was brought up, there were kind of schools, but even before that, it's like kids were just brought up following around the adults, the men and the women. And then by by following them around, they were learning, they were integrating, they were doing. So they're edged, they were more proficient than like a typical 18-year-old by the time they were eight years old oh, because totally, they right? knew how knew how to cook, they knew how to tie ropes, they knew how to build, they knew how to tend, like they knew how to deliver kids. Yeah. You see eight-year-olds helping to deliver kids sometimes. They learned about sex and how to please a partner a lot earlier. They learned how to uh, – you know, they just learned everything by doing, by following around. You didn't have to put them in day. Hey, bugger off, kid, because I have to work. It's like, no, the kid would actually be with you, watching you, doing stuff, and then participating. And like you said, you know, they could be a kid and be a good mechanic by 12 years of age. <laughs> yeah, totally. But that's how, you know, when you put all these children together and call it a school, you know, you're just uniform and like a school official, think the same, move the same, look the same. Mm-hmm. And basically, every child is unique. And if it's getting brought up around adults, it's going to have a different variety of influences and pick up, you know, if the adults are good examples. It's going to be a lot better for that kid to mature quickly, not necessarily lose its childhood, yeah. but certainly be a more function because you, you finish school and you, you think you're hopeless if you went through the education system because you're ready for the adult world and you don't know anything, you know? You don't have to do a plug or anything, simple wiring and things like that. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, so then so you didn't like this um, education. You, you were in the system 
did you get a qualification from that? Because I'm assuming at some point you you go yeah. back into it to learn about viruses and things like this. Well, you know, it's funny. I I started. I actually started to study medicine when I was in year ten, uh, year nine at in high school because while I was I was really rebellious and I actually got along with everybody. Uh, I got along with the cool kids. I got along with the not so cool kids. I got along with basically everybody. And but I was also very. Um, I was still very introverted. So I would much rather go home and play guitar than I would go to the parties and things with the other kids. And uh, and what I also used to do was because I still had it at a younger age, I still had some of this um, bent towards the academia and I would go to the college, the private college, which my uh, dad worked at in the IT department. And I would go there after school and go to the library and pull out the medical textbooks. And I would be going through and studying medicine. And I would actually go into some of their lectures because you don't need to be enrolled in a university to attend lectures. And so I would, yeah, I would go to the um, science lectures, the medicine lectures. I'd go to uh, various lectures, criminology. I even went to a few times as well, just to learn a bit about it. Just to learn uh, about politicians. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, so like I did get some college education. Now this is, I'll continue with the story, but what's interesting at this point is to note that most mainstream people will say, you know, oh, but you didn't get a qualification or you didn't go to, or did you go to college as in like that's a barometer of how proficient you are in something. But it's like they don't know that the only difference between somebody getting a piece of paper and not, like you can go to college, you can go to medical school, you just can't get a a qualification unless you're enrolled in the course, but you can still go and do the exact same stuff, learn everything and not get the piece of paper and that somehow makes you not not as proficient as somebody with the piece of paper because anyone can go to college. You just, it's, unless you pay, you don't even have to pay. You can go and learn, but you just can't get the piece of paper. That's the difference. So I used to go to college before I went to college. And then, uh, yeah, so I thought it'd be different when I actually went myself, but it just wasn't. And uh, so I, after the first uh, semester, or after the first year, which is two semesters, I was like, this is going nowhere. This is the worst course in the world. I'm going to change it. So I wanted to stay within science. So I went from sports science into, because I had planned to go into physiotherapy, but then I saw what the physiotherapy students were doing because I went to their lectures. Again, I wasn't enrolled in physiotherapy, but in my first year, I would do my courses and then I'd go, these are shit. I'm going to go to one of the physiotherapy lectures and stuff and that. So I went to a few of those and I'm like, this is also shit. So then I thought... uh, you know what I'd like to do is I'm really starting to get more and more into the environment. So then I transferred into um, environmental science and ecology. And then I was like, this is bullshit too. It's all, <laughs> it really was. It's see, like, a, see a theme here. <laughs> see a theme here, a bit of a recurring theme here with the, with the college. So then after that, again, I spent most of my time surfing because, you know, I could, I do have that kind of um, mind where I don't have to learn at college. I can even if I don't know the subject matter, I can basically just read a textbook the night before, just skim over it. And then because all the tests are multiple choice or just make it up as you go in an essay, it's easy to pass a test. So, uh, yeah, so that's what I did. And then after the second year, I went back into, um, I can't even remember, I think I went more into physics and stuff than physics and chemistry to do applied stuff. And then, uh, and that was it. I was just like, there's got to be some other way. And funnily enough, I picked up a friend's book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. And because yeah. I was really quite interested in making money, I was like, why can some people have all, because I was into cars. It's like, why can some people have these like epic cars and I, how am I ever going to get one of those? <laughs> so then, um, yeah, so then I picked up this book and it didn't change my mind about, you know, wanting to be rich. It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to make lots of money from this book. What the book taught me was that there was an alternative to the system because that's what nobody had given me up until that point. I knew everything was wrong with what I was doing, but I did not know an alternative. So by reading Robert Kiyosaki's book, it was about, you know, how to, here's where you can start, here's how you can build on it, and here's where you can go. And it doesn't rely on a qualification or a degree or this, that, or the other. It's just the application of, um, you know, effort to to uh, get to a goal. So that's when I thought, well, I only need, an, I can get like a minimum wage income and just work on it, have a business going and do this. And, and so that's this path that I took. So the path that I took was to get into um, martial arts and use and uh, martial arts school that had a business that went along with it. So I was making money, building a business at the same time. Through that, though, I was really out of balance. 
and uh, didn't yeah didn't listen to my body much. And so, um, long story short, yeah, long story short, just burnt myself out, but really badly, ended up quite sick. Went back to all the you know the experts that I was doing learning with prior in medicine, natural medicine, whatever else. No one could help. Turns out all that stuff was theory, didn't apply to reality. And uh, yeah, so then I was, so then, yeah, so then I was tasked with um, finding alternate learning methods. And really, usually you find those when you have to, you absolutely have to. If you don't have to, you can just go, oh, Google, yeah, that'll do. Oh, yeah, college, that'll do. You know, because there's no real life and death sort of situation. But for me, that's what it was. So then I did have to really dig. And, and be uh, discerning as far as what the information that I was getting was about. You know, is this real? Can this be applied to reality? Or is it just another thing that can give me, you know, a false sense of knowing something kind of thing? So there was a lot of that going on. Uh, led me to Paul Check, who I've uh, still, you know, regard to this day as one of the best alternative or uh, holistic health practitioners in the world. And it was through his teachings and then getting on to Rudolf Steiner, Antoine Beauchamp, who was, you know, opposing germ theory, with terrain and all that sort of stuff. And that's when I started to get into all that kind of jazz. And because I was sick at the time, very prone to multiple viral infections every year, uh, fungal infections. I was getting all of this sort of stuff going on. Learning it from the standard allopathic mainstream medical way of looking at it, and even the mainstream alternative medicine way of looking at it was not getting me real world results. It wasn't, it wasn't carrying over. It was still based on germ theory, even the natural stuff. Sure, technology and so, herbs and stuff like that, and that wasn't helping. First of all, the potions weren't helping. Then all the herbs no. weren't helping. No, it wasn't, wasn't helping. Some of it made me sicker as well. And it was later I found out that a lot of the herbs that you get in the, the bottled stuff is full of heavy metals and, and things like that, and it's all, you yeah. know, uh, cured in alcohol and all that. So it's um, it just got me... Helping. Yeah, so I actually had to spend, because my, the, some of the infections were so acute, I was like, I've got to learn a lot more. Like medicine didn't really teach me much about this. So then I was like, maybe I missed something. So then I went into I went into the medical side deeper to get more into viruses, protozoans, bacteria, fungus, parasites. And then as that got to a dead end, I went, okay, well, I'll go back to the natural health model and go right to the end of that. And uh, so this took me, yeah, but this was years worth of stuff. This was years yeah. worth of going through medicine and natural medicine to then really going, well, maybe there's something a lot more into this terrain sort of stuff and not the germ theory can't be right because it's just not carrying over. It's just I'm not seeing the results. I'm not seeing, even with all these natural remedies, I'm not seeing that this is actually creating a real-world result. So then I went into trying to infect myself with stuff to prove it to myself because at the time I was so sick, I didn't care. If I like went even sicker which or dying, I was kind of like, eh, you know, <laughs> does, it, does it matter at this stage? It didn't really matter. So with nothing to lose, I had everything to gain. And that's why I went down that way of actually experimenting on myself. And I was like, holy shit, you actually can't infect yourself with the virus. So you know, how did you, you attempt to do that? Yeah, yeah, not like this. That's that's the only way that yeah, you can how, get it into so, how, Were people sneezing on you? How did you attempt? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, exposing myself to mucus and snot right. and... Um, yeah, right. other stuff. Okay. <laughs> just not give me just, some of that. <laughs> basically, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like that kind of thing. So um yeah, so it's you you just couldn't do it. And so that's where I got much more delving into that and then getting into a lot more uh that's when I started getting a lot more into raw foods, like eating raw meat, raw eggs, raw chicken, um, you know, uh unpasteurized dairy, which is all supposed to kill you. And uh, which I was already aware of because of Western prices work, which I got into in my early 20s and was already going more or less that way. But some there's always some block like, yeah, I can do this. I can do raw dairy. I can do that. But like raw chicken, surely that'll kill me, you know. And then it turns out, no, nope, it's really good for you. <laughs> so it's all this stuff. Pretty much at that point, by mid 20s, I'd learned that anything that the mainstream was teaching me through the educational system, through news, through politicians or anything, it's a good idea to listen to it because if you listen to it, you just know that the absolute opposite is going to be the actual answer. So if they're telling you something's wrong or it'll kill you, listen to it because you know that it'll actually make you healthy. Or if there's a, you know, whatever it is, it's basically if it's in the mainstream, the opposite is generally the truth. So that's what I learned by the time I was about 25, 26. It's an inverted reality that we're living in. <coughs> Certainly it seems to be that way. You know, everything's back to front. Certainly yeah. if you see through the mainstream sources, 
Uh, what do you think then? How would you describe for people who are not aware of germ theory and terrain theory? What would you describe the differences in them and how that's so important? The main difference is that germ theory supposes that there's all these microbes around and they're out to kill you. They can infect you and then that's it. You have no say in it. And the only real remedy is through medications of some kind, either a vaccine to prevent it or antibiotics to get rid of it or whatever. Uh, the terrain model, though, looks at microbes as just a part of nature that all have a role to play and that only a weak and toxic internal environment can be prone to disease. It's not caused by pathogens or like microbes, germs. It's not ill health isn't caused by germs. It's caused by a weak and toxic internal environment that happens to be then a home for germs to do their job. But they're not the cause of the, the um, disease. So that's the main difference. And so one of those obviously allows you to build to be fear-based in their marketing because, hey, if you're just susceptible to anything around you, you could jump out from behind you know, the, the fridge and, and, and jump in your mouth and kill you, then, of course, you're living in fear most of the time and you're going to subscribe to the allopathic medical model. But if you understand that you are in full control of your health and well-being and your ability to withstand anything and then finding out the viruses aren't even alive and they can't be caught, they're made from within the body, then you're like, oh, okay, well, that's nothing to fear, and that's only going to happen if I'm putting crap in my mind and body. So uh, this, uh, so what, what do I have to fear? And then you go, well, if that's the case, I obviously don't need vaccines. So then you start looking at vaccines and you go, oh, okay, right, that's just a way to poison people. <laughs> don't need them anymore. And it's so empowering because once you go, that's the difference, I guess, main difference. Germ power is completely disempowering. Sorry, germ theory. <laughs> really <laughs> disempowering. Germ <laughs> power. <laughs> and, uh, and terrain, uh, the terrain model is is completely empowering because the responsibility then lands squarely in in the you know the hands of the uh, the individual, which most people don't want. <laughs> no, they don't want it. They want a government and doctors and TV to look after them because then they don't have the responsibility of having to um, take responsibility for themselves. Yeah. And that's what's happening big time in the world these days. Um, yeah. yeah. So. What do you think then is the overall plan with this COVID then? Because people like yourself and other people and anyone with half a brain that's looked into it, especially after a year, knows you can't catch a virus. Yeah. What do you think is going on with it? Why the vaccinations? Why? What's your ideas? What's going on these days? I, it, well, it's there's a few reasons that it's there. I think the main the main thing is that it's um, uh, population control. Population control in two ways. One, controlling the population. Two, depopulating it. So that that's the two things that I see as, as the main agenda. It's also, though, especially with what we're seeing, any time that the, uh, you know, the world is a stage, I guess, is the best way to put it. What's going on in the world is not really what's going on in the world. It's a stage. So what we see and hear about is just a diversion and a distraction to what's really going on. So if, for example, in that hierarchy of Freemasonry, where people need to be killed or changed over, leaders change, you know, if they want to change some financial system or whatever, they put up something like, oh, here's a pandemic or here's global warming and climate change, here's this and that. And then so people are going, oh, shit, focusing on this. Meanwhile, they're actually going through their change of mechanisms behind the scenes, and that's what it's always about. It's a cover-up to what's really going on in the power structure of the world. As the power structures change, they need to put something into the public eye to distract from any kind of knowing about the power structures. But a lot of people now are looking at that because there's uh, so much just absurdity in the stories they're creating these days. That <laughs> it's pretty hard not to be, you know, look for behind the veil. Hang on, this is crap. Like, what's really going on? So a lot of people are looking at that now. But then once you look behind, they've already set up like um, firewalls. So then you've got the QAnon stuff and the this, that, and the other, which is like, Oh, no, that's all fake. But, hey, here's a different savior. Here's something else. So then they get caught up in that fake kind of psyop thing and don't still don't get to what's behind the veil because they've already set up things for the alternative people to now get you know fixated on. So that's what I think is going on. But I think it's also leading to a depopulation as well. And, uh, yeah, that's all. I don't know that for sure. I just think that. Yeah, it's hard to know exactly what's going on. Obviously, it's batshit crazy. But... Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I forgot what I was going to say there. So, yeah, as far as the depopulation and stuff, why would they want to do that? You know, why would they want to depopulate? Any, any idea, your thoughts? Why? Obviously, the control was good for them. 
but it's just less people, yeah. more easy to control, or just get rid of the top level, uh, old people, top heavy with pensions and stuff like this. Yeah, yeah, I think, well, see, I'm not sure because the thing is, I used to think that I'm like, oh, they can't afford to pay up pensions and this, that, and the other, but they can because they just make money up anyway. Like at yeah. that level, money is securitized from our signatures. That's just, make, they can make up as much as they want. It's literally just digital credits they can put into an account somewhere. So yeah. I'm not sure that it's the money thing. What I think it is, is uh, they need a certain amount of people to feed off and to do their bidding. And then once they've got enough, once they've, reach that goal i think they don't need the people anymore they actually want more space and more resources for themselves and so then they want people to go and then yeah i think i i think that's what it is you know you don't quote me on that as that's the answer but uh -huh. i just think that that's that's why it would make sense as well because um yeah there's just there's too many people also creates too much confusion because my understanding again this isn't I'm not saying this is i know what they're doing but my understanding is much like the matrix movie where people are in pods and their, their, their life force is drained. My understanding is that the darker entities that do have the majority of power in the earth, the power structure, uh, they don't have, they're, they're basically a completely different species than us. They have, they don't have the same level of ability for compassion and love and also creativity. We're highly creative beings and, and a lot of that comes from the ability to love. And I, they, my understanding is they don't have that. And so they need us to... Uh, essentially to do the creativity and to try to empathize with the love, which they can't really do. They don't really feel like we do, but also uh, they feed on the negative energy. So rather than needing this type of physical food that we do, they, my understanding is that they feed on negative energy, fear, unsurety, anger, all, all the stuff, the lower emotions. And so that's why things like wars are created because wars don't just happen. They're all created and orchestrated very, very, um, you know, with a lot of just, this is exactly what's going to happen. Meticulously. That, yeah, meticulously, absolutely. And that creates a lot of uncertainty, fear and unrest within the population, which energetically is food for them. And so, uh, but I think what happens is when the when there's too many people, it's almost like too much noise and stuff. They need to get where they need to go. So they've been filled up. And after that, it's almost like people are useless then. And because they don't have love and compassion, it's like, well, if something's useless, you just get, you get rid of it. Yeah. And um, yeah. so these entities are like, like the archons and the jinn and stuff like that. You know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And do you think that these people are like humans, but they're kind of possessed by a demon, or they're actually a demon entity walking around as a human? Uh, yeah, I think it's just a different. It's a different. Uh, so I mean, if you look at indigenous culture, they all talk about various star seeding and things, and where our um where we are incarnated from like where does the spirit or whatever come from what kind of energy or entity is it is it a light or is it a dark or is it a this or is it that there's many different kinds and they will have a role to play so in this stage of earth it's like we all have a role to play there needs to be the dark there needs to be the light there needs to be the ones that aren't really involved whatsoever they're like non-players or inerts they just have no real role except just to be there and, and it's like a little game that we're, we're trying to get through to find the answers and, and all that kind of thing. So um, I, I think from at least from their point of view, it's more just that uh, the ent it's the entities coming into a human form. So the, it's still the same flesh and blood and everything. I think there might be differences in, uh, in some of the genetics, but, you know, in the coding, like right into the RNA sort of stuff, but it, more or less it's just still flesh, blood, bones, muscle, that kind of thing. Yeah, so don't know too much about it, to be honest, because here's the thing with all this is that it's definitely there, right? But the, for the same reason that I don't focus on like, oh, what's really behind the veil is because if you spend your life doing that, I think you're missing the point of why you're here in the first place. Like, are you still, you know, uh, working on developing a skill? Like, are you, are you working on your music or developing a skill? Are you working on your ability to love more and have a better relationship or are you, if getting more in touch with nature, how are you going with that? I think one of the aspects of running psyops like they do, like these oh, coronavirus and climate change, blah, 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 all this sort of stuff, is that it gets people so fixated on it, they spend all their time trying to figure out what's going on behind the scenes. But to me, it doesn't matter because if you're doing that, I think you're being taken away from your core purpose, which is actually getting a greater connection to nature. And making that stuff irrelevant, but not only irrelevant, but by tapping into your connection to yourself and nature and a higher purpose 
to a higher degree, you actually figure that out stuff, figure that stuff out anyway, as opposed to going on the internet all day or trying to, you know, like it's just, I really think it's moving you away from what you're supposed to be doing if you're trying to figure that stuff out. And when the time comes or when the student is ready, so to speak, you'll you'll know that sort of stuff. And if I'm not meant to know about interplanetary hierarchies now, I'm not that fussed about it. I'm happy to acknowledge that it's there. And if and when I have a role to play in that or I'm supposed to come across that knowledge, then I will. But, you know, I've said it before, there's people that spend, they want to find out about the the Anunnaki and the, you know, this, that, and the other, and Pleiadians and stuff. And they're spending all their time doing it like three in the morning on the computer while they're drinking Coke. And it's like, dude, you've, you're missing step one of being a human being. You're outside of your circadian rhythm. You're like glued to a screen. You're drinking Coke. Like you're not even passing, you know, preschool. <laughs> so why are these higher beings ever going to come and knock on your <laughs> door and say, hey, do you want the secrets to the universe? Because you're really getting it right as a human being right now. It's like you're failing miserably. So you're better off like knowing that that stuff exists, but get grounded and connected within yourself first and foremost. And then that stuff may become relevant. But I, 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 before, until you can walk, you can't run. You know, it's, it's, it's as simple as that. It's funny you said that because that's basically the point I've got. To, I'm so sick of going down all the rabbit holes. I'm basically looking for. I actually think this whole vaccine psyop thing could be a cover for like oil running out. They're shutting things down. They're telling us you need a vaccination to go to the supermarket. Well, they say, well, don't want to go to a fucking supermarket anyway. Let's head to yeah. the country. Let's start growing our own food and let's be humans again and live a life. And it's just mm -hmm. so appealing to get away from all this shit show. And this yeah. shutting, but I would rather we all got organised first, and then okay, let's shut down the electricity, you know, just to leave it all hanging. I think even the the vax, I realise it's time to wrap up, don't worry. But I realise the, the vax could be a culling just because I don't want chaos kicking off when the food yeah. does stop going to the supermarkets, you know. That's well, it could be. The thing is though that the elite don't care because the elite don't shop at supermarkets, and the elite are protected by their police and armies and stuff. Yeah. So I'm not sure that, but you're right. There with if if there's any kind of food shortage, like there were people in our country, probably yours in America as well, fight physically yeah. fighting each other over toilet paper in supermarkets in the first lockdown, yeah. like coming to blows. Yeah. And you're just like, that's the level of humanity that you're dealing with when things aren't all rosy outside. The like not even six months worth of deficiency, like. Right. an hour an hour of deficiency and they're punching each other over toilet paper it's like that's what you're dealing with and you saw it too and you know uh i remember seeing on the news when i was younger when new orleans i think it was got flooded and within a day people were stabbing each other like literally stabbing right. each other to death over a can of baked beans or something and that's exactly what that's the zombie apocalypse kind of thing yeah. you are going to deal with that and when when food shortages happen you're going to have people that are just going to stab each other and shoot yep. each other if they got guns over basically nothing. Instead of, hey, there's no food, let's work together. If people work together, they create it all. But yeah, they don't, no. they stab each other over over <sighs> a supposed um, you know, uh non-abundance yeah. of stuff. It's ridiculous. Yeah, money creates scarcity, and if it dropped that, we could all have abundance for everyone if we all helped each other. That's something. right. If we worked together and did that. And the funny thing is, I mean, you're like me, you know, we don't go to supermarkets and stuff, so we don't really care. But at the same time, uh, Bill Burr does a, uh, a bit on this. Like, we're doing exactly what you're saying, getting together with people to get onto some land, uh, whether it's a group buy into land or people already have a lot of land. They're just like, hey, I want food too. So come along and we'll grow food. So people are looking after the food security yep. side of things here already. But the That's thing good. is, the thing is, if you don't have a way to protect that, all you're doing is growing food for the toughest guys on the block or the people who are the most, you know, because they're, what, they're not they're not just going to go, they're just going to walk up the hill and go, hey, those guys are growing food up there. Let's go get it. <laughs> the marauding gangs. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you got to you got to keep that into in into uh, take that into consideration a big, a big as well. Fence, big fence to get guns, basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Barbed wire and electric fences and stuff, but. But that's that's the whole thing is that if people just knew, if people just said, hey, look, nobody needs to freak out. There's enough food for everyone. And if you just put your own hands in the dirt and help out, there's actually going to be more than enough food for everybody. So, um, you know, that's the difference. And that's key. And that comes down to education too because most people aren't educated because they come through the educational system, the mainstream system. So when you get to the end of it, you're not educated at all. You're completely reliant. You're sucking on that teat of the, the system. As soon as that teat's removed, you freak out. You're a kid again. 
You're like literally a little kid that's useless and can't function and can't fend for itself. So if you if the education I feel is important because if people can be educated now prior to anything collapsing, saying, look, if things collapse, it's okay. Here's where water comes from. Here's where it can get it. Here's how we can get it to you. Here's where food comes from. This is how it's made. This is how long it takes to grow something or to tend an animal or whatever. Here's where it is and here's how you can come and get it or here's how it can get to you. As soon as people like that, they're like, oh, okay, good. Yeah. I feel like I'm not, no. you know, at threat under threat anymore. But um, yeah, there's not enough people doing the educating on that. So that's why I think it's important to do prior to a collapse, not after a collapse, and going, all right, stop freaking out. We can do this. Yeah. Well, I'm actually doing that now. I've got a guy coming on tomorrow night to talk about kind of survival, and then another guy as well to try and talk about these kind of things. So anyway, yeah, okay. Tom, that, that's been the hours. So I know you've got other things to do. So thanks very much for um, coming on and sharing your time. It's been really great. And yeah, had lots of good feedback there. People really enjoyed it. So it's been a pleasure, Tom. I wish you a good day. And uh, thanks. maybe catch up with you again sometime. Take care, Paul. Yeah, yeah, do it again. It'll be fun. Okay, man. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thanks, Bill. See ya. You can stay there just now. <laughs>